Yo, what's going on guys? Motorcycle Dad with Tito. Your boy Tito here. Buh, buh, buh. What is going on, everybody? It is Wednesday. You know what that means, right? It's fucking Wednesday. I'm not going to say it's hump day. Oh, I was going to say that shit, huh? No, it's fucking Wednesday, okay? Halfway through the week. For some of y'all, that means shit. For me, it doesn't. Just another day of taking care of business. But uh, either way, this episode, episode 19... I've done 19 of these shits. It's pretty cool. Um, this episode, we continue to have shitty acoustics because I'm in my garage. Because I'm sorry, but I'm not fucking sorry. This is my favorite time of year in Las Vegas. Okay. This is my favorite time of year where you're either not sweating your fucking balls off because you're in Hades. Or you're not freezing your nads off either. Okay. So, that being said, I'm not freezing yet. It's lows of 60s, some shit like that. Be jealous for all you people in the northeast and north period where it's like fucking snowing and shit. Sorry. Uh, housing market's pretty good right now. You might want to move here. <laughs> I'm just joking. But uh, still, it, it has extremes here. When the winter does come, like pretty much we got probably maybe till mid-November till about February where it's going to be like pretty fucking shitty. It's going to be cold. Um... But outside of that, if you got some heated gear, it's not too bad. It's not still it's not as cold as like Montana, Wisconsin, New York, Vermont, those areas as such. So I can't complain with too much. But brings me on to some of my topics. So in the first segment, we're going to cover some uh, tricks for heated gear. We're going to compare some shit. All right. And then also, we're going to go over some motorcycle news. That's going to be the first thing we touch on. And then, you know what? I'm kind of freelancing the second segment because... I got a topic that I want to talk about that I'm pretty passionate about, but at the same time, don't want to go overboard. So we're going to get to it. And also a huge shout out to a friend of mine, buddy that uh, did really good, dropped his first podcast, boy, Nacho, but we'll get into that later. Okay. So big motorcycle news, drum roll. All right. I've been purposely trying to avoid a certain company to talk about because I talk about them so much. Harley Davidson. But like that song says, it takes a fool to learn. Well, guess what? Harley's still learning that fucking lesson. <laughs> They've halted all production of their live wire electric motorcycle. Um, apparently, and this is what they're calling it, okay? Not my words, theirs, where they say a non-standard condition which is code word or political code word for something's fucked up and broke. And we don't know what's wrong with it. Um, just so you know, they've had some quality, they got quality control issues, what it comes down to. It doesn't seem like the engineering too much, except for the cam chest kit. Okay, so they do, they got a lot of problems. I mean, for such a strong brand, they do. So the new problem is, I guess it's level one, you have level one, two, and three charging points for electric vehicles. Level one being your normal outlet in your house, uh, level two being 220. I'm not an electrician guy, so fucking please in the comments, feedback, you know, hit me up and correct me if you want to. Uh, but you got it with like 220, 240 or some shit like that, I think is level two. And then level three is your fast charging, where you see like your Tesla stations out in town and stuff like that, that will charge your bike within an hour. Now, one of the agreements for the live wire bike for these dealers in order to sell it, they had to send technicians to training to very, very expensive training in Milwaukee, man. And they had to add a level three charging station in their dealership in order to make it more accessible for customers, get customers in the dealerships, because they know there's not a lot of level threes out there. So at least in scattered throughout the United States on the West Coast and California, you know, there's a little bit more and there's more level three charging stations in a lot of places like Florida and stuff. But it's kind of a level three desert out there. So that was like a big thing for them was if you want to sell the bike, you got to send certain technicians to training. And then you also have to uh, have a level three charging station. Two ventures that aren't fucking cheap. So dealers I know weren't happy about that. Okay. And then of course you bring up the price point and then they just drop 2020 models around the same prices with very, 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 very little incentives. Uh, yeah. Dealers are pretty mad right now because they didn't want to spend the money on this, but you know, for level three charging, you know, whatever. Well, level three charging allows you to charge your motorcycle within an hour. Boom, 100% charge. So they're like, oh, it brings customers in a dealership and such. Well, the average Joe Schmo is going to have level one charging 
at his house. Level one charging ain't working right now. They can't figure it out. So, and they're, what is this, this fucking bullshit? This, dude, these guys go to Congress. Uh, these non-standard, <laughs> non-standard condition, AKA this shit, this, as a good friend of mine would have said back in the Marine Corps, this junk is broke is basically what you're saying. Or at least the level one charging in all fairness. So uh, it just seems like whenever Harley drops a new model or something with some big upgrades to them, they end up having fucking quality assurance issues out the ass. So um, damn, the only other aircraft I can compare it to would be the fucking, the plopped or the Osprey, but whatever. Either way, Harley got some problems they need to work through. So you know, that's the big news. I mean, it's on all the power sports websites and that's what everybody's talking about right now. Uh, like I said, as much as I don't want to talk. And then there's another one where they're talking about their, their third, fourth quarter numbers are supposed to be coming out here soon. So we'll see what those numbers look like in the near future. Mm, don't know. Uh, I don't think it's going to be good for their fucking stock if you ask me, but yeah, they got some other news on here. But either way, I hate to get distracted. Yeah, because, oh, yeah, that's another thing. Harley-Davidson incentives fall flat. I go to powersportsfinance.com. That's one of the websites I use. So if you guys want to check out make sure I'm not bullshitting, read some of these articles yourself because I'm not going to go through the whole fucking article. But if you want to graze over it and look at some of this information, then feel free to. So, all right. Next, we're going up to we're going to talk about um, heated gear. That's my tip of the week, okay? So... We're looking at heated gear, guys. Motorcycle heated gear, I feel, is, is overrated sometimes because you have some good companies out there, First Gear, Gerbing, that are making and some other ones that I'm just not fucking familiar with. Um, but you're talking about the Jackets 200, Pants 180, insoles or boots or socks, another 120, and then you're going to spend about $80 on a harness to feed it directly to your motorcycle battery. And then like one of the problems we had was one, one of our customers, remember he used to always leave his fucking remote switch on his handlebars on. So his shit would go fucking dead. His battery would go dead because he parked his bike over the weekend. And I admit I have hardwire heated grips on my street triple. And that's why I disconnected them because I cooked two batteries. I accidentally left them on. I was enjoying them like, ooh, heated grips. And then I left the fucking switch on and it wasn't key hot, which I'm going to change it myself. See, Stop being fucking lazy and I need to change it to key hot power so that way I'm good. But that's one of the things I got to change on it, key hot power. So heated gear is very nice in the wintertime. To me, I can fucking ride in the winter as long as I got heated gear. It makes it bearable. Um, dude, you put a, I mean, just heated grips alone work for me. If you're blessed enough to have heated seats, that's great. I think heated grips is a great upgrade for a motorcycle. If you don't have them, I used to think like, Man, heat grips for bitches. And then it's like, well, fuck, bitches must be smart as fuck because it's a, a wonderful upgrade to your fucking motorcycle. I could ride for another in conditions that I'm really uncomfortable cold in where I cut it short. I can ride probably another 45 minutes to an hour before I'm like, all right, fuck this. I need more than just heated hand, like hot hands. I need something hot, everything. So um, I was doing a little bit of research because one of the things I do as a side hustle is buy uh return amazon pallets and i sling the shit out now you may think oh yeah, it's so great it's a lot of fucking work i'm still sitting on some stuff for my last pallet um but the advantage is you get to go through and see some pretty cool shit and one of which was some heated gloves now primarily for snowmobile gear and such like that but it had battery packs on it to where you didn't have to hardwire anything to your bike uh and retailed for like 140 for the gloves which wasn't bad considering now i started researching some more looking at heated pants and heated you know vest which i think would be the two quintessential things as far as heated gear and you're looking at you know if you want a heated vest through first gear gerbing you're going to spend like 180 130 on amazon you're going to spend anywhere between 39.99 to 70 dollars to even more than that if you want but you know some pretty decent ones fall within that range and basically these things you use an external battery pack or the battery pack you use to charge a cell phone and you're gonna get about five hours of charge or five hours of heat time on that gear. So that's the only disadvantage. You still have to buy the power source or the little you know battery pack, but that's still not bad considering, you know, you're gonna spend, like I said, 200, another 200, another 200, so you're already 600, then possibly another seven, $70 to $80 for a fucking harness. Yeah, so, you know, look at it. You're probably gonna be three, $400 deep versus six to $800 deep. 
little bit of a price point, but this year I usually what I do is I get just fucking plain Jane thermal under, you know, the, uh, what is this? Some, everybody's got them different long johns. Some people call them th- under thermals. Why well, I, I buy the high speed, most expensive ones that Walmart has on the Russell brand. Cause I'm a baller on a fucking budget. And, uh, those have done me pretty good. I think that this year I'm going to try the heated vest as well and see how much that adds to my ride. Cause like I said, heated grips on my street triple, non heated grips on my heart. So that's one of the things I'm looking at for you guys. Uh, take a look, like all the deals got, you got to shop for it. Okay. So take a look at it, you know, get on Amazon, compare all the prices. I, I looked at like Revzilla and, you know, cycle gear and those guys, and they're all fucking around the same price. You know, you're going to look at 200 for a jacket, 120, 180 for a vest. If you find something on closeout nine times out of 10, it's something really fucking like off size, like extra small or 5X or 4X or some shit like that. Um, don't be afraid to, like I said, guys, what is it, the, the uh, Zilla Warehouse? Don't be afraid to check that out because sometimes they get some open box or somebody blemish some shit. They don't necessarily, you know, fucking, you don't want to pay full, full price for that shit. It's usually like anywhere between, I've seen price from 15 to 35, 40% off on off of retail for some of that shit. So, so that's what I got for you guys on this segment. Okay. So surprise segment coming up next. Keep listening. All right, guys, Tito back here. Motorcycle dad with Tito. All right, dude, hold on. Let's crack this first. Oh, <laughs> salud. Salud. Cheers, bro. All right, guys. So I have with me, and I wasn't really sure. It's my surprise portion. Wasn't really sure if Brian was gonna be able to talk or what we really talk about because he's just coming over here, homie, have a beer, catch up. Brian, I hired him when I got to Vegas. I hired him after I hired Tony. And say hi, Brian. Hi, guys. And he got the nickname Tip. And it's funny because even my fucking kid calls him Tip still to this day. She sees, she's like, hey, Tip. So how did you get the nickname Tip? I got it because uh, my first, very first day um, on Eagle Rider, um, I was driving an Indian uh, vintage. And I went up on a wash bay slope. A little slippery, thought the kickstand was down, and I tipped over. And there's been a couple times where I was like, I don't know, man. I think it's like over where we worked at over here at the other place. And I was just like, I don't know, man. Maybe it might be time to give up tip. And it was like, womp, womp. Nope, you dropped that one bike that day. It was like, <laughs> hell no, motherfucker, still tip. Yeah. So the quintessential questions I always ask everyone, or the famous fucking questions I ask What do you ride? I ride a BMW S1000 RR. What year? 2014. Okay, 2014. What's the lottery bike? Like the one you got to have, you win the lottery, or ones, motorcycles? HP4 race. BMW made uh, maybe a couple, 200 of them early, like a couple years ago. But yeah, full carbon chassis. Fast as fuck. Okay. What kind of riding? You mainly do like street riding. Have you gotten into track? I've done track. Um, I've done some track rides. I've done. I do a lot of canyon riding, street riding. I used to I daily. So, rain, snow. Heat. Yeah, dude, you're fucking. You're always riding. You're one of those guys. Now, how long have you been in the industry? Five years. And that's because you were working somewhere else before you were Correct. working Eagle Rider, right? Correct. When I hired you. Where were you working at? I was before? working at Wild Power Sports in Georgia. Okay. And then that was when you came back to Vegas was when me and you met. Correct. You came in, we're at the Arville shop. All right, yeah. cool. Now, let me ask you this. Where do you see the industry going in the next five years? Uh, the industry is kind of dying, to be honest. It is kind of dying. The power sport industry is getting that all-time low. But it's all electric. That's, that's, that's where it's going. Oh shit! <laughs> I, I I talk about that. I've talked about EVs like several times. It's all electric. Look look at the cars. You know, it's technology that gets passed down from the cars um, to the motorcycles. That's 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 where it goes. So and it's funny because 
even the BMW, because you're BMW tech, correct? Right. Certified and all that shit. Ty, I know him. You guys know the place I used to work at. I'm not going to mention it anymore. Yep. All right. But uh, they, don't, they don't deserve my free fucking publicity. They're fucking mooks. Anyways, <laughs> my bad, dog. I know you're still, you're still there. Yeah. But either way, um, where do you see the industry outside of the next five years? You think that there's a way to balance that? Because this is why I say that. Because I still remember the electric scooter that they're pushing so hard can only go to the fucking car side. I've actually talked about it on the podcast. It's like, dude, it only goes, you only take that motherfucker to the car dealership. Exactly. You don't even take it to the motorcycle dealership. Exactly. Yeah, um, and that's some, that's something in training too. When we go to training, BMW, you know, university, I guess you can call it. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's high voltage. You gotta be careful with that. No, of course. But yeah, no, uh, it's it's a way of the future. You know, it's green. You know, we're doing pollution every day, so it's. And that's why I appreciate try to get ahead of that as much as possible because when you're looking at like your major services are no longer going to be around, bro. They're not. So, I don't know if you listened to the podcast where me and Tony talked about the Orca. Uh, yes. Okay. So, that one, it's like, you're looking at, you usually spend like 700 to $1,000, one shot to turn it down for the season, turn it back up, servicing, whatever the fuck it is. Exactly. You're averaging spending about $2,000 a year, just to save roughness, mm-hmm. to keep your personal watercraft going, whereas like the Orca is just like, oh, is the battery okay? Like, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's and go that's, ride. That's the thing, you know. Like, uh, the industry is actually shrinking. That's that's the reason why it's shrinking. You know, you got you got the live wire from Harley. You got the electric scooter that BMW makes. You got the Victory scooters, the scooters or motorcycles that they make. Yeah. You know, it's not as big as it was, but it's it's getting there. You know, you got MotoGP running the electric bike now. Yeah, yeah, they're doing MotoGP E or whatever the fuck they call it. That's that's one of the things that's like definitely got to get ahead of it. So, where do you see yourself in the next five years as far as when it comes to your career in the power sports industry? Because me personally, you I told you my story how I was like, I was pretty much, I think I was like a tech for maybe three years mm-hmm. before I crossed over. And it was just something that was natural to me because military training and shit like that. And I know some people, they don't, they never want to make that jump. You know, some of the master techs are like, no, fuck that. No, exactly. You know, and, and it's it's you know, flat rate system. You're making you're making money. You know, it's, it's, but it's not guaranteed. And then you, you know, you go back into doing it for five five to ten years, and you're you're making money, but at the end of the day, in order to make the power sport issue continue, is you someone has to step down. Someone has to step down from drop the wrenches and take take hold of the helm. And that that's kind of where I see my career going. Give myself another couple years. You know, I have seven. I have five years right now, so two more years, seven. That gives me enough experience in the back. That way, when if I do become a manager or and in dealership, any dealership, it's it's for the future. It's not for. And see, this, that's the funny part about that because me. That's the reason why I was like, "Yo, bro, you wanna you wanna record something real quick?" Because it was like a personal conversation. I didn't know how it was gonna go. No, exactly. But it was funny that you you made that assessment because. Truthfully, I mean, besides warranty issues and shit like that, it's mainly going to be your service. I think the the role of the service manager is going to change, and you're going to see a lot of guys, the old horses, the boomers, they're going to start fucking, they're going to get pissed. Because, of course, like, oh, things are changing. Like, I don't like change. But it's like, well, what do you expect? The role of service managers, I think, is going to be more like what mine was, exactly. which is, dude, you're involved in everything. Mm-hmm. Because you're just not going to have enough work like that. Exactly, and, it, and it's it's more of a shop, like not even just being, oh, I'm running, I'm running the shop, taking care of six guys in the back. No, it's it's a family. That's that's kind of, you know, what I learned from you. I, I, I see that as a goal. You know, you make the shop a family and then just go from there. Because you can't you can't just tell people what to do and expect the results. You know, you, you get people pissed. That way, you know, you can't treat people like shit. Oh, come on, you, you know, I piss some people off along the way. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, those people, it's, but this it's, industry isn't for the weak, though. You know? I think that's why I gravitated towards it a lot, especially. Salute, salute, especially after I, uh, I got out because it was so close to the Marine Corps, and especially being in aviation, the way I was, it, the the two I could relate very closely. It was very easy for me to cross over. 
And it's funny that you say all this shit about where you're going, where's the industry going, because I think that is the future for a lot of techs, whether they want to admit it or not. Exactly. Because one of the things I still remember going to the the NAT conference, a lot, dude, the one this this past year, it was right before I quit too. <laughs> oh, BMW puts on a fine. BMW Motorrad puts on a very fine conference. Very good, very good. Very nice, good price. Actually, this shit was fucking expensive. Exactly. Was, dude, that shit was like $400 a pop. The other person that fucking paid for it didn't even fucking go. Exactly. I was like, dude, well, that was a fucking waste of money. I could have bought parts with that shit, but I digress. That was one of the things at the town hall. They had this little town hall cocktail hour bourgeois fucking bullshit. I was like, all right, yeah. Me and kind of one of the other guys, we hung together. We're like, all right, cool, because I met him at training. I was telling you about that in Ontario. And BMW is saying that there's an 8% decline year over year, and they didn't know how to fix it. And my dumb ass, because I'm simpleton. I was like, I don't know. Make it so you can get LED turn signals here in the U.S. Like, oh, there's DOT. That's got nothing to do with Germany, y'all. I'm like, okay. But still, it's like... They don't even know what the fuck to do. The decline, the decline is isn't even so much like in the industry because there's always a passion, you know. Yeah. Always a passion of getting behind the bars and just ride, you know. It's 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 literally the expense. You're, you're looking at expense. How 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 much a motorcycle is? Perfect example. You know, when I got my S one thousand, it was twenty five grand. You know, twenty five grand, and it's who can afford twenty five thousand dollars on a on a toy? You're paying you're paying a Honda Civic. You know, literally paying for a hundred. Yeah, and when you ask people nowadays, it's like, matter of fact, we were just talking about that because you're like, oh, I haven't ridden in, in a few weeks and this, that, and the other, or regularly like you yeah. have been. And it was like, well, what I could just stop and get my shit and. Yeah, exactly. It's a perfect example. You know, you gear up, put your helmet on, put gloves on, put boots. You know, and you go and you, you unassemble everything just to, just to get where you're going. And then you know, it could be as simple as just putting the key in the, the ignition and take off oh look i gotta go stop at Wingstop or mcdonald's or whatever and just throw it in the passenger seat and you're done yeah you know you don't have to take off your helmet because you can't go through the drive-thru and yeah dude, oh yeah yeah of course oh yeah you yeah. could but yeah you good could, luck yeah good good luck good luck with pulling that shit off you know, maybe at like one in the morning in vegas you, you know, can pull it off and it's that, that that's the main thing you know the inconvenience of gearing up gearing up you know, having to stop, you can't even take passengers with you. Let's say you're going, you're going to go meet up a couple friends. You know, where are you gonna put your gear? Literally, that, that's what I run to every single time. You know, oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go meet up the guys at, at you know, perfect example, Capitol Grill, going to go get some steaks with the guys from work, and it's like, okay, where well, everyone's driving, I'm the only one on the motorcycle. Hey, man, can I put my stuff in your truck? Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't want to be carrying a helmet around in a fancy restaurant. Maybe we'll get like Tron, and you just be like, fuck it. Yeah. Well, super. Have you seen my super suit? Just fucking bah. Just fucking sit. Exactly. So, that's where you see yourself going more on the management side of things. See the industry going EV, which I agree completely, one hundred percent, bro. I think that that's where it's going. Yeah, it's. it's I, I think it's, a lot of people underestimate EV and they treat it like shit right now, but it's going to be a hot commodity within but, the next two. two look, years. you don't have to fill up. You can go go to your garage, plug it in. Get a full charge, ride 200 miles, come back home, and plug it in again, and you're done. There's two demographics. If they can conquer it, and I think the battery technology within the next five years is going to get there to exactly. where that's not even going to be a fucking issue anymore. Um, especially when you got companies like Tesla that are making, they're manufacturing their own lithium-ion packs. Which is funny, because even with Rivian mm-hmm. out there, Tesla's battery technology is better exactly. than Rivian. Exactly. Which is fucking hilarious. Yeah, Amazon just bought 100,000 fucking Rivian trucks. Oh yeah, dude, I'm all in this shit. Trust me, bro. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking, put, put, like fucking stepbrothers putting in the lab time. Like, wait, 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 see, wait and, and super that, glued that, bumblebee to the paper and then it died. Like, and that's the thing, like, you know, that and then the cost of maintenance. You know, simple things. You now you're just gonna have to worry about tires and maybe take it in once a year to get it, to get it inspected. Yeah. You know, you're done. You're you're literally done. It's it's. I'm still interested to see, like, how that battery technology is going to hold up out here in the heat. I don't think we're going to have as many problems as Arizona does because it's fucking hotter there. But here I am a little intrigued to see how it affects performance. And I'll just be quite frank and see if any of them bitches blow up. Exactly. <laughs> that's know. what my biggest concern you is, You never bro. know. But, you see, that's, that's the thing. You know, you go, you go into, like, the Italian side of things. You know, you get Ducatis or MVs where they're just dead out of the box. And I've seen it, you know what I mean? I've owned created bikes where literally you go, you put a battery and you feel it up, 
and you're putting on all the mirrors and that's the first thing you do you go to start it doesn't start or it starts and it makes a loud bang you know it's just it's it's truth you know thing everything has an air so it's there's very 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 few things it's like teslas the first teslas were catching on fire but look look how look how that's moved I always I always make fun of that because recently it was like you know the Tesla videos been coming out mm-hmm. with fucking people recording them like pass the fuck out sleeping, but it's funny because I'm thinking in my head like you're actually more dangerous right now, bro, than they are because they have all these fucking sensors and cameras around them. Exactly. And you just got your dumb ass trying to record a video and be like, seeing this fucking dangerous, and it's like, well, asshole, you're actually being a little bit more dangerous than they are. I can't believe I'm saying that, but technology is is leveled that playing field. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's kind of like Google started it kind of. It, it was the Google Drive where they pretty much drove a self-driving car. That's what Google was inventing. Now Tesla took took it to a totally different level where now it just drives and it gives you like rider aids. Dude, they're, they're working on autonomous semis. Yeah, right yeah. Now. And they're, I mean, you're talking about they're on point. They're 98% there. Exactly. That's where they're at right now. They're 98% success rate, which, of course, you can't have that 2% floating around with fucking Zimbabwe, like, fucking, Exactly. But, you know, that's where the technology is going. And then another five years, just look at the improvements. We got this far in, what, four? Give another five. Dude, I mean, when I was going through MMI, none of this shit was even on the fucking radar, bro. It was a goof. Like, you heard about some shit about, oh, electric this, and it's like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? It's, Dude, this is 2010. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? Like, and like, and here it is, nine years later, it's like, <laughs> we have the iPhone 11 and fucking... Yeah, three cameras in the back. Three cameras in the back, yeah, looking like a crazy. fucking induction oven and shit. And, and see, and that's the thing, you know, when I when I was going through my as well, you know, they're like, oh, you're not, like, I had, I remember going through a maintenance class and them telling me, oh, don't worry about the carburetors. You're never going to touch one in the field. And it's not 100% accurate, but, yeah, you do run into people that like their old Harleys, the old Evos. You know, you run into people that have Honda Shadows that are carved, but you don't touch them as often. And it's, you know, all electric, all electric, all electric. Well, look, the future's now, so. Future's now, bitches. Konnichiwa, bitches. Um, hmm. Let me ask you something. And you can be honest, I'm fucking sure. saying your sure. What was the hardest part about working for me? <laughs> it wasn't even hard working for you. It wasn't hard working for you. Like, because you do your job, you do your job, you leave me alone. You know what I mean? It, it's simple. You know what I mean? Get your shit done and fucking get it done. That's it. The hardest thing was reading you. You know what I mean? And it, and it, and it could be, I, and it could be as, simple, as simple as like someone else pissed you off, but you know what I mean? You're doing something, you turn around and happen to look at you at the same time and perception's reality so like i think you're mad you're fucking mad you know what i mean and that's it <laughs> it was so funny because i heard so many people tell me that they're like dude you get this look on your face and i just don't realize it because i'm just like i get to this mental mode where it's just like Burp, like especially when fucking old boss man the old place used to fucking yeah. he came to me sideways one day over some stupid fucking frivolous shit like usual and fucking he was like to you what, what's that fucking i don't even know how to fucking read you like how do you, what, are you, are you fucking, like, are you, are you ashamed? Like, what is it? Are you mad? Like, I don't even fucking know. I'm like, look, man, I'm fucking listening. I'm listening to you, what you're saying. Exactly. And, and see, that's, that's the thing. Like, a lot of people that are in the industry that have worked for you, they're like, either Tito's an asshole or Tito's hella cool guy. But it's because they don't know how to read you. You know, perfect example, Pika. You know what I mean? He thought you were an asshole for some reason. And you did everything for him. Like, you gave him everything you wanted. It's just, he just... You know, didn't cut out to be what he thought he was. Yeah, and that was one of the things. Like, I was in a really negative place earlier today. And, uh, you know, I was really thinking about it. Because I'm not going to lie, bro. I thought about, like, fucking being ignorant. Like, being super ignorant. Like, you know I can be. You know yeah, I, yeah, I, of course. I can be. But it's like, it comes a point in time you got to put your money where your mouth is. And if you keep saying and talking about growth and positivity, well, you got to display it, too. Not just exactly. when things are going good when things are going bad exactly and, and that's one of the things where it's like i looked at it and it's like you got to take something away from the negative so i don't know if i i told you this and probably it's the first time anybody else you know i left my club oh. in the past like two months and along with of course leaving the job course, and such course, like that because it was a lot of it was like it was you know what's funny it was before i started listening to a lot of gary v i just knew that 
leaving the job was the right decision. Leaving the leaving the club period, I didn't know it was the right decision at the time. Of course, I was close to leaving before, and then we went and started the other chapter, and just it became another poisonous environment for me. And the only reason why I wanted to be involved in the motorcycle industry or be involved in you know the club life was because of the positive aspects of it, the brotherhood, the riding. And the motorcycle, you know, world is like, well, being working motorcycles is like, well, guess what? I fucking work at a goddamn shop. It's great. And I always are, oh, well, if you want to make money, go to the car side. But it was like, dude, the alternative to working the car side, being in the power sports industry, was you always knew you were sacrificing the big money for the experience and the lifestyle. Exactly. You know, it's funny because old man Steve would, oh, Tito, it's a lifestyle. But it's fucking true, bro. It's like... Well, okay, yeah, I'm not going to make boatloads of money, so you have to have fun. Exactly, and, th- and that's that's kind of like why everyone gets into the industry. I got to work on bikes. I got to ride every bike. Okay, I got to ride every bike. So I you have to ride bikes. every fucking bike. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you have to test ride like, dude, I think it must be so cool. You get to test ride 40 Harleys a day. Like, yeah, so you got to test ride 40 fucking Harleys a day, and you've been exactly. working 12 hours. You know, like, you, dude, you fuck know. this. And, and, and that's the thing, you know. That's that's why you get in the industry for fun. You know what I mean. Once it stops being fun, then you're not. In the, you're you're you shouldn't be there. That's any job. You know what it's, I mean. Why 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 not give it a hundred percent and you only give it fifty or sixty or whatever you want to give it. You have to be committed a hundred percent. And in, in in any industry, if you're gonna flip a fucking burger, flip a fucking burger. Don't fucking bitch and moan. Well, you you know what I was always about. I was always exactly. about going in there and getting the goddamn job done. Even when I was on the director level. I got to admit, my heart and soul was back in being in the shop. Exactly. I liked it. I liked walking through the shop. I liked talking to you guys. And it was funny because it wasn't like I spent the whole fucking day back there. Mm-hmm. I'd walk through the shop, and it'd be like five minutes, ten minutes tops of bullshitting. And I'd make my rounds through everyone. Exactly. And, and, and then it was just like that. And I enjoyed that because that was where the real grits and grind was happening. That was where the real work was happening. Exactly. Because you, pe- people don't see what happens behind closed doors. Like... People think that, oh, the guy in the back is just trying to fuck me off, trying to get my bike. No, man, believe me. You're trying to get it done because you're riding. You know what I mean? It's not it's not like a car where you, you can fuck up here and there. You're, you're Have someone's life, two wheels. Think about the contact patch of a credit card. That's literally the size, the, the contact patch you have on when you're on the tires. Yeah. You know? That's why, that's, that's why like, even, I work, you know, worked at Eagle Rider doing the rental game for a year or two. Mm. And did that and worked on hundreds of bikes hundreds of bikes and every single time you get you work on a bike it's not oh it's a fucking other piece of shit no it's it's someone's riding it it's there it's either their piece of shit and they take pride in it so you have to fucking put 100 percent into it doesn't matter if it's if it's only a 20 dollar job or a hundred dollar job or a thousand dollar job you know so someone's life is on risk every time even if it was brakes brakes only pay what 23 which is what uh, 40 bucks yeah, no. 40 bucks then you don't you don't even see all the 40 bucks at that yeah yeah, yeah. And, and like you know I, and as a tech you don't see that you see 15 bucks 10 bucks you know i mean just changing brakes and yeah the tech in the back's kind of oh well this isn't paying my bills but well it, they always take pride in that you have to i've talked about something before when it comes to service where i was talking about being a good customer and being a good fucking employee exactly being being good especially as a tech and shit like that I don't know if you've heard any of my fucking my rants on that, but and I think there is a fine balance because there's a lot of dickhead customers and granted, it's harder on the service end of it because you have to shut your mouth because it's like, okay, this guy's gonna be super ignorant. Because I've had those customers that are like, Man, this guy's a fucking dick and then once you educate them and get to know them, they end up being super fucking cool. Exactly. So it's like trying to find that fine balance of how much I'm gonna give a fuck because I really do give a fuck and this is my life. This is my, this is how I feed my family. That's how I put food on my fucking table. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of times there's that disconnect and people don't realize that on both sides. Because I was a lot of times, and that's what I didn't like over there, sales, it was always pitched against each other. Exactly. And it shouldn't be that way. Like, at the end of the day, once the sale's made, they don't have to deal with that fucking customer. They don't. They do not have to deal with the customer. You know who has to deal with it? Not not only the technician in the back, but the service desk. Because how are you gonna how are you gonna put face when the sales guy screwed him over if anything or you know what if you got a killer deal whatever you know it's literally the customer does not go back to sales unless he's gonna go trade in the bike or get another bike 
Yeah, but I mean, truthfully, that's it. That's it. That's literally the only time you ever deal with sales. So, like, people knocking service and all that stuff, it's not the service's fault. Like, we don't know that we don't know your your backstory as a customer. You know, we don't know if sales fucked you over by giving you a three thousand dollar bike for six grand. We don't know that. <clears throat> and that was the difficult part for me because I know there's times where I had to put the pedal to the metal, but it was like I was trying. You try to find that balance. As like I was telling you guys earlier, look, look, man, when I first left the industry, when I first left over there, I was fucked up for a while because I didn't know where I stood, dude. Like, here it is. I took so many fucking L's over there mm-hmm. that, you know, I started to think, like, holy fuck, I took all these L's. I'm a fucking loser. Even though, like, it, I'm not saying you're not going to have L's along the way to have learning experiences. That's without a doubt. But there's a difference between taking an L for a learning experience and then just taking the constant L's, like the punches. Exactly. And it was just like, oh, every fucking day. And you would have small victories like fucking Muhammad. Uh, you know, yeah, Muhammad. You know, yo, you run into him at the store and he's super ecstatic to see dude, That was like, not to sound corny, and it does sound fucking pretty corny. But for me, that was one of the moments where it was like, it was in all truthfulness, besides the, the night that you guys all stayed, as a team, no, you guys are getting paid. You all just wanted to stay as a shop and fuck around, and it was as a shop. That was a proud moment for me there, and the second was that one, because here it is. He was like, "Yo, being super extra, like Tito, what's up?" And even Christine was like, "Yo, who the fuck is that? Like, this guy's flagging you down at IKEA." He was like, "Hey, thank you." Like, but I got so much reward from that because even though he was the kind of guy that was like, "I'll work on my own shit," mm-hmm. at the same time. I knew that if something would happen, he would still come back to us. Exactly, and and see, and that's the thing, you know. I mean, you you might not see you might see a customer come in, you do a service on it, and you might not see him for another year. But if you make the experience smooth, simple, great, he likes it, you know, and it, he'll come back. Let me ask you this: What is what kind of shop do you want to run? The shop that I want seeing yourself as a service manager, what, what like more 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 family oriented, you know what I mean, like. The, the back of the back of the shop running all cylinders everyone's happy everyone's eating you know of course there's going to be times like the winter you know what i mean where they're not going to eat but that's where you take care of your guys you know that that's that's where you take care of your guys yeah you know what i mean you take care of them you know they give you that respect back you know you prove yourself to be a decent manager like it's just the family aspect you know because that, that's what this industry is missing it's almost like being a parent bro Exactly. Because I can tell you right now, I was not, and I still, even though it's like now I'm daddy, it was still hard for me to envision that, me being a fucking dad. Mm-hmm. And until you're a dad or until you start learning your way, you're never going to fucking know. As cliche as it sounds, it's the same thing with being the manager. Because, like, dude, when I first became a manager, Scar over here was the first person, he was the first technician I fucking hired. Exactly. You know what I mean? And... Even with the negative experience the past couple days, it's like, well, you know what? You got to focus on the good. Because that was one of the things when I left the club. I was like, I was talking to one of my friends who like, hears bikes all the time. Bikes everywhere. I love it. Bikes in the background. Bikes in bikes bike life. Dude, the real bike life. You know, I was talking to my homeboy, Dan. And I was like, look, man, I don't say I regret it at all because I got about a good five to six really close friends out of that deal that I'll take for the rest of my life. And if that was worth, that was to me, that was worth paying the price of the bullshit that I was dealing with. Exactly. You know, because it's like, if I walk away and I got these guys as my friend, no matter if I have a patch on my back or not, then you know what? That's okay. I'll be okay with that. Because it, it was never about the patch defining me. It was just almost like me obtaining the director position, bro. I left you right because I wanted that so bad. I wanted that next level. I wanted, exactly. but I didn't want it just for the title. I wanted the fucking challenge. I wanted the, to conquer the next step. And, that, and that's why I left. I, I, I left I left on, yeah, rentals get boring. You're working on the same models, blah, blah, blah. But you're going to do that in a, in a one-line dealership anyways. You know what I mean? You're going to work on the same bike, same models. It doesn't matter. It's the challenge. You know what I mean? I went from working on Met, um, Harleys to Metric, 100% Metric. I haven't, I barely touch any Harleys now. You know, but, but it's, it's kind of nostalgic, though, because I yeah, remember every now and then when we get a Harley, and bring it over, and it's like, man, dude, this bitch with my eyes closed. Like, exactly, it ain't shit, bro. Exactly, you know. And, but and, still, it was like, man, that clutch was fucked up. I got that shit straight, or, you know, something you fixed on it. Exactly, and, it, and, it, and that's, 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 you know, that's a W. You know, I mean, you, 
you have your wins, you know, and that's not every single time. Well, I think it was easier as a tech, dude, because it's easier to gauge your wins based on the bikes coming off your lift. Exactly. Where for me, it was all numbers driven. So I was constantly, even when the bike came off the lift, I was like, it's not enough. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, it, it's, 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 that's what people don't see, that depending on your position or where you're at, you know, everyone's goals are different. You know, as a tech, you know, you everyone strives to, oh, I want to be a master tech. Those days are over. You know what I mean? Be completely honest with you. Like you told me, you, I remember having this conversation with you in your office back when I was working for you at Eagle Rider. You know, I'm like, you, I remember talking to you like, well, what are your goals? I'm like, I want to be a master tech. That's what I want to be. That's my goal. I want to be a master tech. Now I'm there and it's, it doesn't feel like I accomplished anything. Yeah, I accomplished it, but it's, you know, it's, it's not that W that I thought it was going to be. Well, I think that was the same thing for me as a tech. And that was the reason why I was able to make that, that when the offer came across my plate, Mm-hmm. to become a service manager, I jumped at it. Yeah. Because I was already kind of like changing my brain into thinking like that. It was just the way that logistically things worked out in my situation then. They put somebody else as service manager, and I was like, yo, I'm not going to be a sucker. And this person is like, oh, how much blinker fluid goes in this fucking bike? Yo, dude, I'm not working for somebody like that, bro. Sorry, bro. You cannot call me. You can't tell me you're my boss and you're a service manager and you legitimately come up to me and ask me what kind of was it? I think it was like what kind of fluid the rectifier took or some bullshit like that. I was like, dude, you've been in the industry for 15 fucking years. Are you serious? That was when I was like, all right, train time out. I'm out. I'll see y'all motherfuckers later. See, and, and <laughs> he that, gone. And, that, and, that, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, that's why I see myself doing that transition to a manager because – I don't see the industry as a whole. Like we don't have people that have have the back experience, you know, got their hands dirty and know what it is to be a tech, knows what it is to start. We don't have that. We do not have that. You know, we have people that have been, oh, I've been in the industry for ten years. Okay, well, this is how it should work, but yeah, all that jelly, no toast, bro. Exactly. It don't mean shit. It doesn't mean Cause... shit because you don't know what it is to to like bill 15 hours in winter and only get 100 200 paycheck you know they don't well, know what that is it's really hard to educate your customer too if mm-hmm. you don't really know what the fuck you're talking about yeah you can run down the specifications all day mm-hmm. but really breaking down like yo and that was one of the things i really loved about being able to be back in the shop as you know when i went back to just being a service manager because i understand that fucking language Exactly. When I was dealing with fucking Dianese and I'm like sitting there and being like, oh, well, we haven't got them paid. Well, because you motherfuckers haven't sent me an invoice to receive the shit. They didn't understand that. Like, I'm like, dude, it's part of your job, A, B, and C. And that, technicians have a tendency, yeah, you got your tricks and your traits here and there, but it's very methodical and by the book. It's black and white. It's boom. Part goes here. A goes in B. C goes in D. Boom. That's a wrap. Mm-hmm. There's no like, well, we don't. Uh, it's very little room for gray area. Yeah. And that's what I think that's the problem because it is a it is to be black and white when it comes to the service aspect of it and the fixed op side. But so many people try to make it. Oh, there's tons of gray area. And the way that's that house is built, as soon as you try to find the gray and don't get me wrong, there is slight gray area. But when you're talking about people that just deal in nothing but gray area and they try to throw the fucking they just try to throw, throw shit on the wall. It's not going to stick, bro. It's like, yeah, I can maneuver some stuff, but I still got to stay in the fucking rules. I still got to stay in my boundaries. Mm-hmm. Stay in my lane, in a sense. Yeah. And for guys that on the sales side have a tendency to constantly want to go out of their lane, it's a, it's a, unless you have a strong leadership and a strong hold on it, because that's not a bad thing. Those guys need that to sell. Exactly. But there's got to be the balance of, okay, now I need to turn it off and walk them through the dealership. Because that's going to be one of the things I talk about, matter of fact, in my next segment after the interview is path through the dealership. Exactly. There was never a fucking path in the dealership. And see, and that's the thing, like, as, as a sales guy, you know, I work in the back, so I don't have, I have no sales experience. But as a sales guy, yeah, you make connection with the customer, you walk into the shop, you know, hey, this is a parts guy. You know, this guy's, when you come in, you need anything, this guy will help you out. Then you go to the service, hey, this is the manager Tito, this is the manager, you know, Blaine, whoever, you know, Scar. Whatever, then you go and you're introduced to a, like, a, a tech, you know, one tech. It doesn't matter if he's working on it all the time or if he's not working on it. You establish that connection. And that's, we don't have that. 
Yeah, you got to build that rapport, man, because you're talking about, and this is one of the things, it's so easy to get caught up in the here when you got it right in your fucking face. Exactly. Instead of from the fucking thousand foot view or whatever the fuck they used to say over here, right? Oh, 10,000 foot view, all that bullshit. Um, but it's true. It's it, you got but you got to be able to fucking be dynamic and go to both perspectives. You can't just be I'm gonna be all up in my face and my numbers all the time and just be blind to everything else. Mm-hmm. That's just not how it works. And you have to take that step back sometimes and see that shit. And you can't just fucking oh no 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 this is how it is all the time. Yeah. It's there's got to be balance in the force. Yeah, and and that's that, that's the thing. People don't people don't take that time. And that, that's what's missing. Well, I don't know, because I see it even on the sales side, right? You know, dude, there's been times where I've wasted my time. I used to, you know, time eaters, uh, clock suckers, mm-hmm. you know. But there's been times where I want to say, like, out of the 100% of the time I've been fucking clock sucker, 50% it's paid off. Yeah. And to me, the, those numbers strictly on the fact that when you're talking about, oh, well, you're going to be a guaranteed negative 8% this year. It's like, well, guess what, dude? You got to go for that fucking 50%, even if it costs you. It's exactly. like you got to because it could cost you even more in the long run. Exactly, because you never know. What if the, the customer's coming in, just look, blah, 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 but he has 10 bikes now. Dude, and I'm sorry. If you're an impersonal dickhead, you got no business being in this fucking industry. Go fucking go goddamn manage a fucking road team or some shit. Or fucking something. But if you're going to be a motherfucker that's going to be impersonable and not be a true motorcyclist, mm-hmm. then you need to get the fuck out of the sport, dude. See, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, another thing, too. Like, people don't ride in our industry. They don't ride. But, and this is what I'm saying. You got fucking, it, funny, right? Babes ride out. Remember how much fun we used to make fun of babes ride out, like, yep. back in the day? Like, oh, here it is. Bunch of hipster girls yep. getting. Yeah, but here it is, dude. They command so much presence now. That you got built well. You got all these fucking companies that are going out to the desert and giving this... Dude, 805 was out there, this babes ride out. Like, dude, these granditure things. And, dude, I used to make fun of... Yeah, I'll be honest, 100%. Dude, I used to make fun of the bullshit, too. But at the same time, you got girls that are riding fucking thousands of miles. Not all of them. I'm seeing some lot of fucking trailer queens in there. Exactly. But you got a good amount that are riding out. And if it's like... It brings guys into the sport. If it brings people into the sport, period, then why are you going to fucking hate on it? Exactly. Just because there's more women fucking riding or more big, young people, so kids. fucking what? Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of female riders that are better than fucking male riders, I exactly. know. Exactly. And, dude, if you don't fucking like to admit it, then you need to get on the fucking streets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, you don't want, if you don't like it, don't get mad at me. Fucking get your ass on the fucking streets. Get on the fucking bike. Fucking go. Exactly. And th- that's another thing, too. You know what I mean? People, people that get their bike and they put them on a display. And it's like, what's the point of it? I can understand it. I don't know, man. I'm one of those guys, though. If I got a million dollars, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't want nobody to know for a minute. Of course, you know what I mean. Like, of I'm not. I'm like, I still be driving the El Avalancheo. Like, damn, dude. The only thing you notice is like, damn, dude. He got an Earl Shaw paint job on that shit. Damn, <laughs> son. Like that five hundred dollar paint job. Like, yeah, my tax returns, son. Like, I wouldn't let nobody know I have fucking money. Exactly. But then you have people that don't have money that fucking flaunt it and uh, it's like, wait a minute, bitch. I found out you ain't got no money. You broke ass motherfucker. Yeah, a guy has a thirty thousand dollar motorcycle to live in an apartment. You know what I mean? Like, put that money somewhere. Bro, else, you know? shit was so funny. So many times. He was like, oh yeah, yeah, you got this badass. I still remember one of the dudes. His girlfriend, the bike was in her name. Yeah, he like tried to talk all that yeah, shit. That trust was, me, uh, I trust me. I already know. I ain't gonna drop no names because yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know they're neighbors to you now. He's a neighbor to you, but I used to think this guy was such a fucking clown because he talked so much shit like he had money, and I was like, dog, you got busted ass fucking. Lesson I learned: always look at a man's shoes. Yeah, especially like when it came to bumps. Always look at his shoes. I'm like, man. I don't try, I don't judge on it, but it just gives me an idea of where they're from. Exactly, you know. I'm like, all right, so you dress like a bum, you talk like a bum, you act like a bum. <laughs> I, you ain't really, I didn't really smell the motherfucker to know he smelled like yeah, a bum. But you are a bum. You know but I mean? you acting like, you quacking, bro. You acting like a fucking bum right now. And then it was like, the bike was in his girl's name, everything was in. Like, he talked all this fucking bullshit. Yeah, I was like, like, oh, dog, you're such a mook. And then you get such then you get those guys, you know, that that think they have everything and they don't. You know what I mean? But it is what it is, you know. That that's that's the poison in our industry, but that's poison in any industry. Yeah, it's gonna be I mean you're gonna get that bottom it was like Marine Corps called it bottom ten percent. You're always gonna have that bottom ten percent, bro, no matter where you're at. And in our industry, unfortunately we have it. It's just some of these guys that bottom ten percent have a tendency to have a little bit more money so they can flaunt a little bit more. Exactly. But, and like another thing too, you know, just because you're out on the track doesn't mean you're 
that's that's something you know what I mean it's 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 like oh yeah MotoGP 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 and then you go you know like hey man what about the North Northwest two hundred you know what I mean those guys race on the race on the real roads actual public roads with potholes. Cracks. What about Superbike, bro? Superbike, World Superbike. World Superbike, bro. Those motherfuckers go hard in the paint. Exactly. They don't have as much money. They don't have a, a fucking $1.5, $2.5 million fucking motorcycle. Budget, yeah. Yeah, they don't have that shit. Yeah, no, I think it's pretty interesting, and I think it's it's time for, I don't want to say the minority in the in the fucking industry, but the people that haven't been perceived to have as much money as others, It's it, I think it's their time coming. Exactly. Because... I don't know if you heard, you know, the live wires, they, they halted production. And it's just like, dude, all that jelly, no toast again, Harley. Yeah, like, y'all motherfuckers got such a strong brand. You've gone through so much bullshit, the AMF years, and you guys still fuck up. Yeah, like, you know, knock it off, bro. That's, <laughs> a, that's a thing, you know what I mean? Like, for, for example, Harley, you know, you, I'm 25. I can't afford a fucking $30,000 fucking motorcycle. It doesn't matter if it's a sports it's still 20 grand. Then you put the numbers. You can't do it. Doesn't you can't justify it? Oh, you can get a fucking sports around for about fourteen, but then they're gonna get you a gap and all that they bullshit. Get you a gap, yeah. they can get you, you get your gap. They get you by that time. Yeah, you back up at twenty. And, and, and then you're looking Actually, at you, you get the sports. Put some pipes on it, brother. Put some pipes on it, brother. You know, what I mean? what you <laughs> you do? you're gonna spend two grand on some nice bats and high. Let's go to the chrome specialist. Let's go see the chrome the chrome consultant. That's what they call them. They call them chrome consultants or chrome ambassadors. Yep. Like, uh, yeah, and then like half the bikes on the showroom floor, they're already fitted. Oh, yeah, they're fitted. I don't know. Well, I've talked about that before because when I put the baggers up to the challenge, the, the K6000 took the cake. It really, it really it took the cake when you looked at price point, what you're getting for your money. Okay, I ranked it and I, I think it took it, but going took, I mean, it kind of took the edge only because. With a little bit less, your price point, you're like around like 22, 23. Fully loaded, you're around 25, 26. And of course, all the other gold wing accoutrements that you can put the lights, the lights, the, the, the fucking trailer, trailer the all that maker. bullshit. You know, like, but still, you get all of that, you're getting more reliability, and then you're still at 30 grand versus like right off the back with an Ultra Classic, you're at 30. You're at 30. Yeah, you're at 32, bit of them. Starting off. You know that's, I mean? And that's not at 100 horse. You still got to put a fucking stage one, stage two, and then get 100 horse. And it's exactly. like, cams. dude, I got to put another four or five grand into this bitch. Fuel, fueling, you know, you go into fueling cams, fueling, uh, not Bro. cams, but fueling chest plates. Yeah. Chest plates, all that stuff. So it's like, you go back to, what are you getting for the banger buck? Well, and that's why it was like two of the questions. It was funny because the service rider I had and, and uh, Eagle Rider Las Vegas, when I first started there, he used to run his fucking mouth. Dude, he used to talk, 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 talk. He talked about talk past the sale. There's, there's the one thing I learned. The one thing I did learn from fucking uh, Marika fucking Payaso over there. Yeah. Fucking, you know what, Payaso? Yeah. <laughs> did Tony show you that one? The, the paya- okay. The Payaso. So the one thing I did learn about it from the Payaso was don't talk past the clothes. And this motherfucker would talk past the clothes every time. And it was like, dude. I told it. It got to the point where I was like, "Yo, bro, hey, do me a favor, shut the fuck up." And this is where people come up and be like, "Tino's an asshole." I was like, "Look, bro, do you want to make money?" And he's like, started going on one of his rants. I was like, "Do you want to make money? Yes or no?" Well, yeah. I'm like, "Well, shut the fuck up. If you don't want to make money and you don't, keep fucking talking. You need to ask two fucking questions: What kind of riding do you do, and what dream do you have for your bike?" And they will fucking tell you everything you need. And he sells himself. And they would sell themselves, dude. Oh, well, I don't know if he's going to do it. Dude, what? Blah, 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 blah. What ifs? Get the fuck out of here. Exactly. Ask those two fucking questions. Build them an estimate. But I was like, at the same time, two motherfucker, you got to know what to sell them. You can't, like, look, if you know the guy wants a dirty, dirty bird concept or custom fucking bike. And you're going to try to sell him some shit and they got nothing to do with that. Then, of course, you're going to lose the fucking sale. Of course. But... Loud pipes save lives, bro. You know the guy wants a fucking pipe. He ain't got a lot of money. Selling the fucking, uh, what is it, the True Duels or the Dressers. It was one of those ones that I fucking used to sell all the time. And I was like, dude, sell him these. 400 bucks, you're going to make good money on it. He's going to be happy. And you're not going to break the bank. And he's going to be able to come back and spend more money. But it kind of goes back to the philosophy about, like, the old heads. Because you're like, you're you're from here, so you know. But the old heads used to talk about fucking back in the day when the mob ran Vegas. Oh, of course. And he said, dude, when the mob ran Vegas, it was so much better. I was like, why? Because it was like, dude, the guy would come into town. 
Yeah, he'd fucking put his kids' fucking life savings and all this shit. He'd fucking go through all of it. But at the end of the day, they would fucking buy him a plane ticket home, make sure he had a fucking meal in him, and fucking put a couple G's back in his pocket and send him home. Because they knew if he went home fucking broke, his wife was never going to fucking let him come back out to Vegas and spend more money. And putting, okay, yeah, I got you for 30. Let me put five back in your pocket. I still made 25, and you're still going to be able to come back. Exactly. You know, and that was the balance. It's almost like the same philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, you take care of people. Well, guess what? They're going to come back. But if you treat them like shit, like kind of how fucking Vegas treats people now, in a sense, with like fucking $60 resort fee and all that bullshit for what? $30 parking? Yeah, dude, it's beyond me. But it's like, well, guess what? Eventually, people aren't going to have disposable money to just throw away. And they're going to be like, you know what? Fuck you. That's the reason why they outlaw the Airbnbs and all that bullshit. Fucking get in on the game. It's a lot, bit, it's a lot different... From paying a $35 one-time cleaning fee to paying a $50 fucking resort fee every fucking day. Exactly. Yeah. Big difference. Don't even get a fridge most of the fucking time. Like, what kind of bullshit is that? <clears throat> so. Well, dude. Yeah. Thanks for coming on and talking. Yeah, no this, this is all it is, bro. Just fucking talking about the industry, dude. So, damn, dude. We got about like 45 minutes in. Well, man. i have you on again. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for coming on. All right, yeah. Thank you, dude. All right, guys. Next time we're coming up. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that surprise interview. Went kind of went about 45 minutes about what me and Dagan do here in the garage. Just sitting here fucking bullshitting like normal. Um, it was good because I haven't caught up with Tip in a while. I uh, know he was coming over for like a beer. Some negative shit happened today, so we we're just going to talk about it a little bit. I had kind of a negative experience because of some shit that happened to one of my friends, but he had to flip things around and look at it differently. Me and him were just talking about that, how... You know, you got to learn from the negative experiences. I don't like how things happen, but at the same time, you take the lessons and sometimes that gives you the push to get a little bit further where you need to be. Um, right now, I spent the day at City Hall with uh, one of my partners. We're getting business licensing, DBA, such. If you're in the business, then you know exactly what I'm talking about going through. And mind you, I'm going to give a special shout out to the city of Henderson City Hall because that shit was very nice. There Also, there was nobody in there, like unlike Las Vegas, where it's always fucking packed. And it was just nice. It was clean. It was pretty dope. And Carol had a good time. We actually took a picture near some artwork and shit that was in there. Pretty cool. But I digress. We got through all of that and uh, got bank accounts set up. And I'm going to be working on some pretty big things here. And I'm looking to do some collab work with... I got a lot of good people in my life that are doing their own grind. They're building their own empires. They're builders and they're doing something positive. And I want to share that experience with them and involve them into the community. And look, I hate to be one of these fucking cliche. Oh, well, yeah, you know, positivity and blah, blah, blah. But it, it speaks truth to what can really happen in your life if that's what you focus on. You know, Earlier today, I felt like halfway doing some ignorant ass shit just because I felt pissed off. And sometimes all the growth that you talk about, then you got to fucking show it. And more positive things are going to come from it. Like sitting here talking to my friend and talking about the future. I ended the day on a happier note than, you know, I felt halfway through the day when I was stressed out, you know, trying to keep everything together while we're doing all that stuff and then got bad news. And it was also not just one. It was a couple of things today. So you just got to focus on the good and keep moving forward. And that's, that's it. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. You know, you focus on the bad, then bad comes into life. Speaking of power, it will be something, some shit like that. I read it on the internet. I don't know what I'm talking about, but look, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, I want to give a special shout out to Nacho again. I listened to his first episode he put out. If you guys get a chance, go check out two wheel connection. Hope I'm saying that right. Let me look it up real quick again. Make sure I'm good. Uh, yeah. Look him up on Instagram as well. Okay. Because I know he's on the gram under the same one. Let's see. Yeah. Two-wheel connection. Okay. Look him up. He's an army vet just out there. He asked me some questions. He reached out to me. You know, I, I just gave him some of my experience and hope it would help him out. It, it helped him out. He gave me a huge shout out on his podcast. Man, I'm super humbled. You know, we all got the power to change things in our own lives and keep moving forward 
And I'm glad you were able to get past that threshold that was keeping you, man. And keep doing your thing. I'm going to keep listening. You guys go check him out. He's on Spotify. He's dealing with the same shit that I was dealing with at the beginning where it's like you're waiting to get out on multiple platforms. But right now he's on Spotify and soon to be out on some of the other ones like Breaker and the Google Cast and such. So go check him out. Nacho, much appreciate the love, man. And I hope uh, keep putting out that content. And anybody that's interested in getting into this, it is just as simple as just downloading the fucking app and doing it. Um, trust me, I'm somebody that has a lot of inhibitions on things. And if you're having inhibitions about it, you deserve it. Everybody deserves to have some good in their life. As long as you're putting that good energy out there, you deserve to get it back. But look, if you guys got anything, hit me up. Moto Dad Tito, Facebook, Instagram. If you got my number, then just shoot me a text. And if you don't, then you ain't fucking getting it. Um, everybody in the week strong, in the week positive. Keep crushing it. Anybody listening, you guys are fucking warriors. Keep crushing it. Keep pushing to get better. And uh, I'll see you when I see you. Much love and respect. Peace.